appreciate our visitors that we have today. We have several here. We're so glad that you're uh, chosen to be a part of our worship service today. Hope that you will uh, have been blessed by being here today and hope that you'll return uh, at another date. And we certainly do appreciate all of your efforts uh, this past week uh, for Vacation Bible School. Um, it, 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 more than just last week, the last several months have been going into it. People have been spending time here and putting everything together, and I certainly do appreciate all of that uh, work that's been done. Uh, this morning, I'm not going to deal specifically with fathers. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week as we deal with the Lord's Prayer uh, and our Heavenly Father. But uh, 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 this morning, I'd like to ask you a question. Do the motives of people matter to you? Uh, I mean, when someone does something good for you, um, or to you, when you give, when they give you something, does their motive in giving matter to you? Amen. Well, I, I'm sure that it does. Uh, for example, ladies, if, if your husband came home one day and he gives you some earrings, he, he says, well, I, 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 he said, I found these things and I thought of you. And, and so I bought these earrings for $19.99. Uh, <laughs> And, and you're just overjoyed that you have a pair of earrings that are going to turn your, turn green after you wear them one time. Uh, but anyway, he thought of you when he saw those earrings. Then you go into the garage or the shop, and there's a new tool. And you say to him, oh, oh you have a new tool. Hey, yeah, yeah, I, I got a real good deal on it being Father's Day and all. How much did you pay for it? Well, I think it was $499 on sale. <laughs> and, and, and you're thinking when he saw that cheap, those cheap earrings that uh, he didn't think about me. The only reason why he got those cheap earrings is because he thought uh, that those cheap earrings in light of the new tool would keep us from having a fight. <laughs> But I know your heart. Uh, you wouldn't care if they were cheap earrings. If in fact he saw them and thought about you. and He was doing the best that he could do. If, he, if you knew that his motive wasn't an ulterior motive. And that he did what he did because he loved you. It would be fine. It would be okay. But knowing that he's making a fool out of you. It will never be okay. We care, we care why, why people do what they do for us. We don't want them to do it to keep from having a fight. We don't want them to do it to try to settle the score. We want people to do for us what they do because they love us. Do you think God is any different? Uh, that God is looking down on this service today and he says, I know your motive. I see that motive. I'm aware of that motive. I, I, you're here because of fear. You're here to be seen of men. You're here because you really worship me. You love me and you want to honor me today. I'm saying today that our motives, everything we do for God, all of our motives matter. <laughs> Open your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you today that Jesus, what Jesus said about our motives. And I can tell you because we love each other here and that we're, we're, we're not going to judge each other. I can tell you 
that there is seldom a day, that if a day, that I am not confronted with my own motives. So, you struggle with motives. I, I'd, I'd say that just about everything I do, I struggle with motives in one way or the other. You don't? Talk about sawing the limb behind somebody. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you that if you would just be honest with yourself, that you would have to say, I struggle with motives. Amen. And here's the reason why. Our pride is so subtle. Our desire to be seen of men is so great that even when we think we are trying to do it right for the right reason, before you know it, pride will rear its ugly head and there will come out of that pride an ulterior motive. Please stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning as we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is speaking. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore... When thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to, the, to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Verse number 8. Be, ye, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given us. The, uh, you've just been so good to us, Lord, and we're so thankful for this. You, you, just, you, you work in our lives and you bless us in so many ways, dear Lord, and just help us to never forget how much you bless us. And dear Lord, I just pray you would just be with our services today, be with those who are here under the sound of my voice, dear Lord, that we will just examine our hearts, examine ourselves to see... Uh, what are our motives for what we do for you, dear Lord? And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just help us to have a pure motive, a pure heart in what we do for you. Dear Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has taught his disciples how to live in the kingdom of God. When we are saved... We were born into the kingdom of God, and as citizens of the kingdom of God, the standard is higher. Uh, it is different than the standard of the rest of the citizens of the world. Uh, we are not to live like the world. 
Uh, we are to be noticeably different than the rest of the world. Jesus comes to Matthew chapter 6 and he shows us one of the ways to be different. That is our motive. The way, the, uh, the reason we do what we do. It's, it isn't supposed to be for selfish reasons. It isn't so, so that people will applaud us. It, but what we do, we should do for the applause of heaven. Why are you here? Why did you come today? By the way, we're glad you're here. Why? I don't, I don't want you to answer uh, why you came out loud, but I want you to answer that question to yourself. Why are you here? Did, did you even think about it? Uh, did you get up and, and come because it's Sunday? It's time. It's what we do. It's respectable. Uh, why are you here? Why did you come? By the way, you don't get a reward for doing the right thing. You get a reward for doing the right thing with the right motive. Show me anywhere where you get a reward for doing the right thing. There's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of people in our world today that are doing the right thing. But they do it with the wrong motive. They, they, the, and the Lord says they have their reward. Uh, and the reward that he's talking about is not the reward from God. It is the reward of the applause of men. It's the, uh, that you, you can have the applause of men or you can have the applause of heaven, but you cannot have both. <coughs> what is it that moves you to do what you do in service for the Lord? <coughs> Jesus addresses three things that's uh, valued by the Jews. He addresses giving to the poor. He, he talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. And he uses these three examples and the wrong motives associated with these three examples. We have a constant issue dealing with our motives. Uh, can I just say something to our teachers? Number one, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Number two, why do you do what you do? Do you think that you're a Bible scholar and people really need to hear what you have to say? Do you think somehow that you would be depriving the world of some great spiritual information uh, if you were not a teacher? Uh, why do I preach? Uh, why do I study and try to come up with a sermon week after week? Why do I do that? Uh, is it a way to make a living? Is it a way to get attention? Uh, is it a way to put forth my agenda? Uh, why do we do what we do? Uh, you may say you, you shouldn't make a big deal out of it. Well, I wouldn't, except Jesus did. Jesus made a big deal, and Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus made a big deal out of this. So, so I want us to work our way through these verses today. I want us to look at what Jesus was saying here in this Sermon on the Mount. First of all, Jesus gives us a warning. In verse number one, he says, starts off by saying, take heed. That is a yellow flashing caution sign. He is flashing this sign and he says, wait, you are citizens of the kingdom of God. You have incorporated the Beatitudes. You are letting your light shine uh, so that man can, uh, may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, then he says, wait a minute. In the process of living out the principles of the Christian life, you've got to be careful that your motives stay pure. Do your alms before men. This giving alms was, was giving money to the poor, to relief of the poor. 
In the Jewish culture of the first century, it may have been de demonstrated in many ways. And, uh, there were beggars in the streets. And, and as you saw beggars in the street, you might feel compassion and give them some alms. A small coin. It was a gift. It was something you could do for that poor person. There wouldn't be anything wrong with, uh, there couldn't be anything wrong with that, could there? Well, how could that possibly go wrong? Giving alms to a poor man, how can that go wrong? Do you really want to know? Well, do you ever get a sense, a feeling of superiority when you help someone that has less than you do? Do you ever get a sense that I can help you and I'm glad it's me helping you and not the other way around? Do you ever get a sense of superiority when you're in a position to help somebody? If you're in a position to help someone, that doesn't mean that you are superior to them. It just means God has blessed. God has enabled you. If not for the grace of God, you would be the beggar. So how could giving alms go wrong? It can go wrong by inflating your ego. Uh, you are better than them. The fact that you are able to give demonstrates that. It does not demonstrate any such thing. He says in your giving of alms, you need to guard yourself so that you're not doing it to be seen of men. Otherwise, you have no reward. Give to the poor. Do what you can do to help. Have a compassionate heart. Be, but be motivated to do what you do for the right reason. Don't allow your generosity to create in you a spirit of superiority. When you do your alms, it says, do not sound a trumpet. Uh, there's not a real clear explanation of what... Uh, what this means, but let me explain what I've learned about this. Uh, one of the, the uh, uh, explanations about this statement refers to a, a box that was in the synagogue area uh, where they would collect money for the poor. And, and they, they would, uh, there would be this shofar. It's a, a, a horn taken from a ram. It, it, it is curly uh, as it as it is sped out. They would put the small hole small end into the box and the big end up to where you could drop your coins in that uh, that uh, uh, shafar and, and it would roll around the spiral into the box so that uh, the thought is that he is saying uh, don't put your money in this collection box so that the noise would be heard and people would notice that you had dropped money inside but maybe it was meant as a metaphor and not as a literal trumpet and he's saying to us, when we do something like helping somebody, don't do it in such a way to draw attention to yourself. <laughs> As if there's someone beside you blowing a trumpet. Uh, you see a need and you're moved to do something to help and you give, them, give and then there's a blast from the trumpet. And everyone turns to see what's happening. And you say, oh, oh excuse me, I... For the noise, I, I was just helping this poor soul. Uh, could that ever happen? Could it ever happen that we would give, that we would, uh, that we would help, that we would do something to help someone in need, but we would wait until the right moment 
when everyone is looking at us, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I, I've been in some churches that had a plaque on everything. Someone gave this. Someone gave that. I mean, you were afraid to lift the lid of the toilet because you didn't know whose name you'd find. Uh, everybody got recognized for what they gave. How about us just giving to the Lord and let Him give the reward as He sees fit? Amen. Uh, I mean, what difference does it make uh, who gave what and when? Folks, you can give hundreds, you can give thousands, and you can give millions, but if you're giving to be seen of men for the applause of men, you don't get a reward from God. Amen. You want to be like the hypocrites? You see in verse 2 that they gave uh, that they give with trumpets blowing, with men watching. The hypocrite does the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Giving to the poor is always right. It's always right to be generous. It's always right to have a compassionate heart. But it's wrong to give generously, compassionately, so that we can be seen of men. When you give to be seen of men, you're not giving because you care about the beggar. You're giving because you care about you. Jesus says that's what the hypocrites do. That's what the hypocrites do. Hypocrites want you to believe that they are full of love and compassion, but they aren't full of love and compassion. They are just playing a part in front of a stage. They are calling for the spotlight to be on them. That's what a hypocrite is. He may play the role of a murderer, uh, but that doesn't mean he's a murderer. You may play the role of a Christian, but that doesn't mean that you are one. Jesus said they have their reward. What is their reward? The glory of man. The glory of man. Think about it for a minute. They want a reward and there's nothing wrong with wanting a reward. Nowhere are we condemned in the Bible for wanting a reward. There's nothing wrong with wanting a reward from God. But they gave so that they would be, have the glory of men. They wanted the praise of men. They wanted to be recognized by others. What kind of value is attached to the glory of men? Ever thought about an athlete on the football team? One day he could be a hero, and the next day he's a zero. Uh, you know, just one bad play can mess it all up. Uh, his fame can be shot in one day. Uh, that's how we look at folks in the sports circuit. To glorify you one day and to crucify you the next. Jesus is saying you're doing what you're doing to have the glory of men. What do you have when you have the glory of men? You get your name and, and print. You, you get the applause of men. You, you get recognition. What do you have? You have absolutely nothing at all. Now, what do you have when you have the reward of God? Well, it's everything the reward of man is not. What do you have when you have the reward of God? You have something that is eternal. Something that fades not away. Something that is undefiled. That's what you have when you have the reward of God. If, if you had it one way or the other today, which way would you have it? 
Would you have the reward of man? Or would you have the reward of God? If it could be dropped in your lap right now, what do you honestly want? The reward of men? Or the reward of God? You may say the choice is obvious, but I'm not so sure it is. If you were honest with yourself, somewhere in the dark corner of your heart, you'd kind of like someone to take notice of what you're doing. Kind of makes us feel good when we hear, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. Kind of makes us feel good when someone says, you are just so talented. In fact, some people will quit if they don't get a little recognition. Well, if they don't like what I'm doing enough to tell me about it, then I'll just quit doing it. It doesn't hurt to hear, I've never heard such a wonderful voice. It doesn't hurt to hear someone say, I don't know of a more dedicated Christian than you. And then we start believing it. We start reading our press clippings and and we start believing them and before you know it, pride has done what pride always does. It lies to you and we start believing we have really done God a favor. Listen to me today. We will never be in a position to ever do God a favor. Then he calls, says in verse number four, If you do your alms in secret, the Father will reward you openly. The next thing I want us to see is that then he comes to the second thing that he's praying. And and he, uh, he says, don't do like the hypocrites do. They love to pray standing in the synagogues. Uh, in the corners of the streets to the Jews praying was the most vivid demonstration of holiness. It was one thing that in spite of all they didn't do, they could uh, count on a pious Jew to, be, to, to pray. They had certain hours of the day. They would pray at 10. They would pray at 3. They would pray at 6 o'clock. They would pray. Oh, as they entered into the city, they would pray. As they exited the city, they would pray. Uh, as they came toward the temple, they would pray. And as they had all these memorized uh, choreographed prayers for every occasion. They had books of prayers. They were memorized. Jesus said to the hypocrites, the actors in a play, they would go out on stage wearing a mask, hiding their true identity. We wouldn't hide our true identity uh, behind a few religious words, would we? Nobody here would ever hide our true identity from everyone else like Judas did. The Jews loved to pray. They loved to pray standing in the synagogues. And by the way, our services are patterned much like they were in the synagogues at that day and time. They would sing, they would have reading of the scripture, and and then they would have a homily or a sermon. Uh, Pretty much what we do today. He said they loved to pray in the synagogue. I, I could still hear them pray. When we were in Israel uh, a few years ago, we found the, the tomb of Dan, uh, just stumbled on it. We weren't really searching. We just saw it on the map and we stopped. And, uh, in the room beside the tomb, there was men praying. When we got to the old city of Jerusalem. We went to uh, follow the guide to, to go to King David's tomb. Uh, there was people praying and meditating in the scriptures. 
And then at the Western Wall, we, they, they were praying and moving. Some were loud and some were softer. They were clear in their words, very eloquently. They would pray. They prayed in tune to a song. The passion in which they prayed, men prayed not for, from a, pleasing, a pleading heart, but to uh, be heard for their speaking. They were not communing with God, but praying in a way that would announce to everyone around they must be spiritual. Can I say that the length of your prayers and the words of your prayers say nothing of your spirituality? Amen. You can pray a long prayer or a short prayer. Doesn't mean you're spiritual or carnal. Amen. You can use proper grammar or improper grammar. And it doesn't show if you're spiritual or unspiritual. Being spiritual is a matter of the heart. Here was a Jew and he loved to pray and he wanted to do it where everyone could see. And he loved to call, he loved to be called on to pray. He loved to be seen in the streets praying. And Jesus said, you have your reward. So Jesus gives us the answer to that. How do we protect ourselves from the show-off mentality? Keep in mind that the Lord is not saying that that public prayer is wrong. He is saying when you do, make sure you are doing it with the right motive and with the right heart. Amen. He said go into your closet. A place where you could shut out the rest of the world. For a Jew, it might have taken the shape of a prayer shawl. He would carry the shawl around and when he was time to pray, he would take this shawl and put it over his head and maybe close it in around him to shield out the rest of the world. He was giving himself some privacy, shutting the world out from around him. This prayer closet could be a bedroom. Prayer closet could be at a sink where a godly mother washes dishes every night. It may be your prayer closet. That prayer closet may be out in the shop or in the garage where dad is tinkering. You say, he's spending a lot of time out there and he's never doing anything. He may be doing more than you think. He's out there with the Lord. Shut up with his God. I don't know where your prayer closet is, but your spiritual life will not rise any higher than your prayer closet is deep. Amen. You need to have a place where you can get deep with God. Shut out the world around you. Have you been there lately? Do you have a prayer closet? You don't have to be in full-time ministry to have a, full, a prayer closet. You don't have to be a preacher uh, to take time to pray. Uh, you may have to uh, what you may have to do is you may have to stay up a little later or may have to get up a little earlier. What you may have to do is reprioritize some things in your life. How bad do you want it? How deep do you want to be with God? How intimate do you want to be with God? Are you willing to pay the price? Jesus said, shut the door. And your father would see you in secret. 
He knows what you're doing. You don't have to do it in the street. You don't have to do it in a church service. He sees you. Your prayer closet may be a deep and dark, uh, but He sees you. You will never have power. Listen, you will never have power with God until prayer is a priority to you. Do you struggle to pray? You will, I'll say it again, you will never have power with God until prayer is a priority to you. He said don't use vain repetitions. Don't be like the heathens. He says something in verse uh, 8 that is so encouraging to me. Be not like them. You don't need to use the vain repetitions. And this is why. Listen, look at verse number 8. And your father knows. Your father knows. You ought to underline that in your Bibles. Do you see that? Do you see that word of encouragement? Your father knows. What does that mean to you? You don't have to use fancy words. Your father knows. You don't have to use vain repetition. Your father knows. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to you that God in heaven that has saved you, has made you his child, and the Bible said he knows? Amen. What does that mean to you? This is what it should mean to you. If our God knows what things we have need of before we even ask, that should motivate us to find that prayer closet as soon as possible. You're worrying, you're fretting over your knees, and God knows what they are. And He is waiting for you to ask of Him. How often, how much time are we spent in worry and fretting over things instead of asking Him and turning over Him? Your Father knows. He knows. You don't have a prayer closet. You sh- it, you sh- it should motivate you to do whatever it takes to find one. So that you can open your heart and just pour your heart out to Him. Are you willing to set that up with God? Are you willing to make a commitment uh, to pray in, in your secret place? The fact that God sees, the fact that God knows, it doesn't drive me from the presence of God. A presence of God, it compels me to get closer to Him. Why do you do what you do for God? Is it for the right reasons? Is it for recognition? Or is it just because you love God and you want to unselfishly serve Him? What are your motives for what you do for God? Is it to be seen of men? Is it for recognition? For gratitude? I, I, I do, uh, I, I try to look and I try to compliment and and thank people who do things in this church. I try to recognize them. But I hope you don't do that for, for that. I, uh, I, I want to encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing for God. If you don't get recognized for something you're doing, listen, don't, don't fret over that. Don't, don't feel bad because your name wasn't called out. Be thankful. Your reward is in heaven. Because we're not searching for the glory of man. We're not searching for people to pat us on the back. 
We just want to be committed to the Lord in every aspect of our lives. And when we pray, we want God to hear our prayers. Not to be seen of men. Uh, when we give to help the poor, we want to do it because of the love of God. God bless us. We want to do something to help that person without feeling a feeling of superiority, but just to because you love God and you want to help. Not to be recognized, not to be not to be uh, shown, not for the glory of man. What is it that motivates you to do what you do for the Lord? 